So who are you? Really? Who are you? If we were to sit down, have a coffee together, and just learn about each other, and I would ask you that question, who are you? How would you identify yourself? Now, for some of us, we'd answer that question, and we'd talk, identify ourselves with our, our job, uh, our career, or our occupation. Uh, others of us, we may identify, well, I'm a mom or dad. Um, we maybe talk about our kids. In fact, one of the fun things as a, being a parent, and you get this too, like whenever you're at a school event, you're not Casey. I'm not Casey and Cassie. I mean, Cassie's, we're not mom and, we're mom, mom and dad to Jet and Judah and Genesis. It's like, oh, you're Judah's dad or you're Genesis dad. Um, who are you though? Uh, for some of us, kids may identify with the sport. Or something they love to do. Maybe you identify, you identify with a hobby or something you're enthusiastic uh, about. Uh, Some identify with their gender or their ethnicity. Uh, Some would identify with their sexuality. For some of us, we would identify with what we've done in our past. Or we would identify with something that we've accomplished in our past. Or maybe we identify with something in our past, uh, not just good, but maybe it's bad. And for others of us, um, maybe we identify with something that's happened to us in our past. And maybe that something that happened to you is not so good. Or maybe it is something really good. See, the way you identify yourself is so important because how you identify yourself is how you see yourself. See, how you see yourself is your identity. And many of us, um, and maybe even you, have an identity crisis. So, how do you see yourself? How do you see your... And why is your identity so important? Well, this is the reason why. Our joy is connected to our identity. Your joy is directly connected to your identity. This is our identity crisis. We are looking for joy in our identity, but we don't know who we really are. Uh, The reason many people don't have joy and maybe you don't have joy is because you don't know who you really are or you don't know who you were created to be. There's an identity crisis because there is a war on humanity's identity. See, humanity was created in God's image, yet the curse of sin has destroyed God's image in all of us. You were created in God's image. This is the war on our identity. This is the war that, that, that is, is, is being held against your identity. And many of us have an identity crisis because we don't know that we were created in the image of God. Or maybe you haven't been treated or honored as if you were created in that image. And therefore you have this identity crisis. See, the image of God is part of your story. You are, the the image of God is the masterpiece work of God in your life that is also in all of creation. And in the beginning narrative of Genesis, this is what the narrative wants, that the writer wants you to know, that you were created in God's image. This is what the writer said. So God created mankind, humanity, in his own image. In the image of God, God created them, male and female, he created them. God created all humanity in his image. However, Adam and Eve were not content being made as image bearers. They were not content being image bearers alone. They wanted more. 
They wanted more. They wanted to be God, not just to be like God, but they wanted to be God as in like him is equal to him. And that broke humanity's union with God. It broke God's image in us and it broke God's image on us and ushered in on all of humanity the sinful curse that we all have. Since that fall, humanity has turned to anything and everything other than God to find their identity, to find who they are. So, does that sound like you? Does that sound like you like you're trying to discover who you are? Is that why you're here? Maybe that's why you're exploring, maybe that's why you're listening. You're trying to search for who you are. Have you been wearing yourself out, wearing yourself thin, trying to figure out who you are so you can be fulfilled? in life or just have joy is this why you go to certain things or certain activities or find certain relationships is this why you go to certain practices or do certain things in your life and you go back to those because you're looking for your identity and you're trying to find joy because you need identity in order to have joy and that's why you're searching for your identity See, searching for your identity in anything or anyone outside of Christ will leave you unfulfilled leave you eternally lost and leave you without life it will leave you unfulfilled see every other pursuit that you go after to find your identity will leave you unfulfilled and it will leave you lost lost that's where adam and eve were they they were lost and after adam and eve chose to reject god and their identity being in him god the creator would be walking through the garden and he would be calling out where are you adam and eve where are you and it's not that god didn't know where adam and eve were he knew where they were they had no clue they had no clue how to find their way back to god they had no clue how to restore their broken identity they were lost And maybe that's you, lost and searching for ways to restore your broken identity. And if so, the kingdom of God is good news for you. See, the kingdom of God is good news for those who have lost their identity and therefore lost their joy. And maybe this is the good news you need to hear today. And more on that in a moment. My name is Casey, and for those of you that are new with us, I am so grateful to share this time together with you. If you are new with us, we have a gift for you. And right after the service, if you'll make your way right across the lobby, go into our Welcome Center. A host would be there, and they will love to give you a gift for being with us today. Uh, Also, in that time that you're there, we would love to just take four minutes of your time, and in less than that four minutes, share with you four things about who we are as Westside. For those of you that are new online, they're posting a link to a, a, a Connect card. And if you can fill that out, we'd love to send you a gift for allowing us to share this time together with you. Uh, so Westside, will you do me a favor? Will you help us welcome and let everyone online and let everyone that's new with us in the room know how grateful we are to share this time with them? Will you do that? Yeah. And so today we finish the series talking about the unshakable kingdom of God that is good news 
for the world. We've been in this season, in this uh, season of unshakable, where we're talking about what we receive in a building an unshakable faith and what that, lend to, what that leads us to do is to release God's unshakable love. And so last, our last series, when we were talking about wasting the haste, we talked about this idea of breathing in God and exhaling God, bringing in the rhythms of God and breathing in who we are in Him and then living out those rhythms. And we're continuing that idea through this series that we're bringing in the kingdom, we're receiving receiving the kingdom of God, and then we are living out the kingdom of God of what we received in this kingdom. And this is what this series big idea is as we are finishing this up today. But I hope that we just don't finish it. I hope we continue to live this out every day. That this is the series big idea. We receive and we advance the unshakable kingdom of God's righteousness, peace, and joy. With three words... The Apostle Paul would identify the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus would declare that the, his kingdom, that God's kingdom is good news for the world. And, and in three words, the Apostle Paul would let you know what this good news means for you and what you can receive in this kingdom of God. When he would write this in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, and the Holy Spirit would inspire these words that would be preserved as these, this letter would be redistributed uh, all throughout Rome and be preserved through our canon that we call the scripture. And this is what he would say. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy and the most important part in this is in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the good news of the kingdom of God. And these only come, righteousness, peace, and joy only come from the Holy Spirit of God. See, the kingdom of God is good news that you can stand in Christ's righteousness that because you can stand in Christ's righteousness, now you have the strength and courage to live rightly and do what is just. And the kingdom of God is good news for you, that, that you can have peace with God, that because of Christ's work and you stand in his righteousness, you have, now have peace with God, and now you have the peace of God no matter what you face. And now you can be a peacemaker. And also receiving the kingdom of God and being a part of the kingdom of God restores our identity. And gives us joy. See, the kingdom of God is good news for those who are searching for who they are. The kingdom of God is the, king, the key to having unshakable joy. A joy that no circumstance can destroy. A joy that no crisis or crises that you face in life can steal away from you. An unshakable joy doesn't come any other way, only through the kingdom of God. So we must ask this question, how do we become a part of the kingdom of God and receive joy that this kingdom of God gives us through the Holy Spirit? Well, one of Israel's elite thought leaders uh, in that first century uh, world was Nicodemus. And he came to Jesus in secret, and in the secret of night, and, and he says to Jesus, hey, hey, I am amongst some other um, leaders in Israel who believe that you've come from God, and we believe this because of the signs you're performing. And, and in this, um, he, Jesus replies to Nicodemus in, in, in a way and introduces to him how to become a part of this kingdom of God, this kingdom that Jesus is establishing. And in John chapter 3, 3, this is what Jesus replies that John, the apostle, would record. 
He would say, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And in this, I want you to know something. Every word Jesus says is true because he came back to life and, and every word he says then is true. And in this, we have that confidence. But when you read in the, new, uh, the, the Gospels where Jesus says very truly or truly, truly as some interpretations, this is almost like this emphatic drawl that you need to lean in on this. You need to listen to this. And here Jesus says truly, truly, no one can see. There is only one path. The only way to see and receive the kingdom of God and to be a part of the kingdom of God is to be born again, to be recreated. And Nicodemus doesn't understand this. He, doesn't, he can't comprehend how one can be born again. And maybe you can't comprehend how can one be born again. Maybe you, like Nicodemus, could be confused as, okay, so how does one become born again? And Nicodemus goes so much that he asks Jesus, say, how can one return to their mother's womb? I mean, that's a pretty good question to ask. And Jesus says that being born again is only something that the Holy Spirit of God can do. And it can only through happen, it can only happen, and it can only occur in your life through what Jesus has done for you. See, it would be 13 verses later where John would pin the most recited words in all of the biblical text, the most, most published words in all that we have in Scripture and in that text, he would declare how we become a part, that how it is even possible to be part of the kingdom of God. When he would say, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. See, from the beginning of John's writing, he had been building his readers up to understand what Jesus came to do, to bring them into the kingdom of God by giving them new life, or being born again. So how is one born into the kingdom of God? If we know that this is what we need to do, how do we get there? Well, in the opening of John's gospel, John tells us clearly how one is born again. And this is important. In fact, these two verses I'm going to share with you are verses I believe you need to memorize. Every Christ follower need to memorize. And this is what John 1 verses 12 and 13 says. Yet to all who did receive him to them who to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of god children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will but born of god do you see how john introduces being born again to his audience the only thing that you can do to be born of God or to be born again is to accept it, to receive Jesus as your Savior and to receive your place in the kingdom of God. And that, you, that you know that you receive your place, that, you, that God has given you the right to become a child of God. That you didn't earn this. You have to accept this. See, this is the difference. And John clearly identifies this, that, that you don't earn this, that Jesus is the only one who could give you the right to become a child of God. He's the only one who can give you the right to, 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 to be a child of God, but you have to receive this and you have to accept this. You cannot do anything in your effort to earn it. And you know the other thing? Is you cannot do anything to disqualify you from receiving that right. 
See, we freely receive this because Jesus did all the work because that was God's will. You can't get into the kingdom of God out of your will. You can only enter the kingdom of God because it's God's will. And God demonstrated this. See, the only reason that you and I can receive Jesus and become children of God is because God willed it that Jesus would come into this world, suffer, and he would die, and he would come back to life to do the work, destroying the curse of sin on all humanity for those who receive him as Savior and trust in him as Lord, and bring you in to the kingdom of God. Jesus taught that God's will, he would teach that God's will is secure that, that, and, and that it could not be thwarted. And therefore, the disciples believed something about God's will. They believed then something about God's kingdom, that God's kingdom was unshakable. And when you receive and you become a part of the kingdom of God, that is an unshakable gift to you. See, when you believe in Jesus as Savior and receive him as Lord, you are born again into the unshakable kingdom of God. And now you can primarily identify yourself as a child of God. You can see yourself as a child of God. I see myself as a child of God. This is who I am. And nothing and not anything can destroy that. Not what people think about me, not what people do to me, not what I experience in my life, what what I've done in my life. See, nothing can destroy that I am a child of God. Just like nothing can tell my son or my daughter that they're not my kid. Because they are. And nothing's going to change that. And in this, this is something I'm still working on. I just want you to know this is something that I still struggle with. See, I am, when people ask me to tell, me, uh, tell, tell them a little bit about who I am or tell them a little bit myself, you know what my first tendency to do is? Well, I'm a pastor. I, I, I maybe talk about, hey, well, I, I'm, I, I've been married to my wife for 20 years. I, I, I'm, I've got three kids. I'm a dad of three kids. And that's how I identify myself. But I've been conditioning myself to change my answer because I want my primary answer to be that I am a child of God. Let me tell you about who I am. I'm a child of God. I want this to be my primary identity. I want this to be first and foremost on my mind, that this is first and foremost who I am. I am a child of God. I want this to be the first thing I say because that is the most important thing to my identity. Nothing I do and nothing that happens to me or nothing that people say or do against me can destroy that identity that he's placed in me. See, your identity is that you are a child of God because you believe and have accepted that God has adopted you through Jesus Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. If you believe Jesus as Savior and have received Him as your Lord, confessing Him as your Lord, you are a child of God. So let me ask you, who are you? Who are you? And why would you want your identity to be in anything or anyone other than who you are in Christ? Why would you want your identity to be anything other than I am a child of God? Now, when the Apostle Paul would write to the persecuted church, a church that 
was experiencing suffering and loss and, and what they were grieving as they were losing loved ones and their own life was threatened. We don't understand that in America. They understood the extreme cost of following Jesus. And in all of this, Peter would acknowledge their loss, their grief, acknowledging the hardship that they were facing because of their faith. And most of these people, mind you, did not see a resurrected Jesus. They didn't see Jesus resurrected, but they still believed. And I want you to listen to what Peter tells this people who were suffering all these things. In 1 Peter 1, verse 8, he says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In hardships, in persecution, in grief and loss, he would say, you are receiving and filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Let me ask you something. Would you identify that that's what you are experiencing? Inexpressible joy. doesn't mean sorrow is not there. But are you experiencing this inexpressible and glorious joy? See, like the, unlike, we, we're unlike the church in uh, uh, the first century because we're not as persecuted. But like the first century church, we have not seen Jesus resurrected. I mean, there were, there were over 500 people that saw Jesus resurrected. We're, we weren't one of them. And in this, the truth, however, remains the same for that church as it does for us as a church. See, the truth that Peter tells about that church is true for you. That to believe in Jesus is to be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. This is the joy of your salvation. It's unshakable. See, unshakable joy comes from knowing Jesus, knowing who you are in Jesus, and knowing what you receive from Jesus. This is the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's why you have this in, this glorious, inexpressible joy. And if we receive this inexpressible and glorious joy, if you've received this inexpressible and glorious joy, why would we, or why do we, allow things to rob us of that joy. Think about this. Why do you allow the things in your life to rob you of that joy? And how do those things in life come and steal that joy away? It's because we allow our identity to be in something or someone else other than Christ. Because our joy is tied to our identity and what we fix our eyes on, and how we see ourselves. And when we put our eyes on anything outside of Christ, our joy can be stolen away from us. See, your joy comes from your salvation, that you are a child of God who is in the kingdom of God. This is the end result of your faith, salvation that brings you joy. And why would you then look for joy or search for joy in anything other than that. This is the good news, that you can have a sustaining, fulfilling, and rewarding joy because of you being a child of God. And why do we look then for joy in anything or anyone that gives us a broken promise to give us joy? 
See, any other promise to bring you joy will only be temporary, and it's only a broken solution that cannot bring unshakable joy. See, Jesus gives us some good news about the kingdom of God and, kingdom, and what his joy is. In John chapter 15, he's preparing his disciples to go to the cross as he goes to the cross, and he's giving him these last words and this incredible teaching. And he tells them, As the Father has, sent, has loved me, so I have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands... You will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus clearly defines here the pathway to joy. And it's that we remain in him. Do you know why your joy that you have and sometimes I have and often have is temporary? It's fleeting, it's here today and gone tomorrow. It's because of a couple things. One, we haven't remained in Christ and because we haven't remained in Christ, we can't receive his joy. And, 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 and joy is fleeting when our identity is in, and we're not remaining in him, but we're our putting our, our identity is not remaining in him, but our identity is in a relationship. Our joy is, is, is fragile when our identity is not in Jesus, but our identity is in success, a career path, or a job. Our, our, identity, our joy is scarce when our identity is wrapped up in the things that we have or the things that we acquire. But joy is unshakable when we remain in Christ and our identity is in Him. That's when we receive His joy and when our identity is, it, it, not only just to receive His joy, but it's made complete. I want you to underline two phrases in that passage of scripture. The first one is that my joy may be in you. That my joy may be in you. See, this is what Jesus wants to do for you. He doesn't want to give you a joy that anybody else promised. He wants to give you his joy. And that in me, underline this, that your joy may be complete. Complete. I love that word in the Greek. It's, I've, I've told you about this word before. It's play It's my favorite Greek word. And it means this. It means fill, full. It means, um, in some translations, like the New Living Translation, it means overflowing. In the English Standard Version, it, it says that your joy may be full. Another time, another places in the New Testament and, and Greek writings in that day and age, I mean, came to pass. It was completed. It's like your joy is filled, overflowing. You can't hold anymore of this. And it means you cannot contain any more joy because you are full to the brim of Jesus' joy. That's the reality. And in Christ, here's the reality, you don't need anything else to bring you joy. So, you don't have to pursue anything else to look for joy. You don't have to pursue anything or anyone to find that joy. You have no need of anything else bringing you joy because your joy comes from who you are in Christ Jesus. You are a child of God and that joy overflows out of your life as you obey him, as you remain in him. And he would say, remain in me as, and keep my commands. This is how you do remain in me. You keep my commands. And he would re-identify what his command is. Recalling what he would say in John 13, 34 and 35 where he'd say, as, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. See, Jesus is clear that the way to receive his joy, his overflowing joy, is to, 
and fulfilling joy is to obey him. See, your joy will overflow as you remain in Christ by obeying him. Maybe this is why your joy hasn't been overflowing. Because Jesus hasn't been Lord and, and, and you believe in him as Savior, but you're not following him as Lord. And, and, and it's when you remain in him, following him as your Lord and believing him. And, and not just that, but loving others the way God through Christ has loved you. That's when your joy overflows. This is how you receive the kingdom of God and how you advance the kingdom of God. See, as I receive his joy, now I live out that joy by, in my obedience and I love others the way God has loved me. And as I obey Christ, I remain in Christ. And as I obey him loving others, his joy is always going to be there in my life, no matter what the circumstance I face. And as I obey Christ, by obeying his command to love one another, the kingdom of God advances through me. It advances through my obedience and my joy still overflows. And why do I believe this? I believe this for the same reason the first century church believed this, because of the resurrection of Jesus. I believe this for the same reason that the Peter and, and believed this, because Jesus rose again from the dead. Because of that, I believe that my identity is in Christ and that I'm a child of God because Jesus came back to life. And because God loved me, I am loved. And that's all that matters. That's my identity. And because God sent Jesus to die for me, I am forgiven. And because God raised Jesus back to life, I am set free. I am alive in Christ Jesus and I will receive life forever because I remain in Christ. I've received my place in the kingdom of God and nothing can take that away from me. And that's what the New Testament authors want you to know about the good news of the kingdom of God and the good news of who you are when you are in this kingdom. And that's the good news of what the kingdom of God means for your identity. And here's a teaching big idea I want to leave you with today. See, your joy comes from your identity in Jesus Christ and your joy overflows as you honor Christ in everything you think, say, and do. Your joy comes from who you are in Jesus. Your joy comes from how God sees you because you've received his righteousness. You stand in Christ's righteousness. God sees you and because of the peace God made with you through Jesus, this is how God sees you. He sees you as a child of God and how God sees you and Jesus is more important and not how you see you. And it's not how someone else sees you, how a boss sees you, how a parent sees you. That doesn't matter. Your joy doesn't come from them. Your joy comes from how God sees you. Your joy comes from who you are in Jesus Christ, not from how a group wants you to conform to or wants your identity to be in, in them. Your joy comes from your identity in Jesus. It does not come from your sexual identity. Your joy comes from who you are in Christ, not your gender or your race. Your joy comes from how God sees you. And because God sees you, and because God loves you, You are now, you've received your place in the kingdom of God. You've accepted Jesus and confessed him as your Lord. You are now a child of God. That's how God sees you. He sees you. That's your identity. And that changes everything. It changes everything about who you are. 
It changes everything about how you think. It changes everything about what you say. And it changes everything about what you do because when your identity changes, your attitude and behavior changes. See, my attitude and behavior comes from my identity. I don't change my attitude and behavior to create my identity. It comes from my identity. And salvation is an identity change. It's about an identity change. Being born again is an identity change. We are children of God. And that leads into the attitude change and the life change and the behavior change. And when you see that your identity is in who you are as a child of God, you're going to speak and you're going to act more godly. You're going to speak and act differently than what you used to be. When you see yourself in Jesus Christ and you see your identity is in him, you're going to now have the attitude of Jesus. You're going to see other people the way Jesus would see them. You're not going to see them in your old way. You're going to see them the way Christ sees them. You're going to treat them differently because you're going to love them the way God through Christ has loved you. And when you have an identity change, you're going to act more like Jesus. You're going to behave more like Jesus. You're going to do different things that are more like Jesus. Not in it's, it's, Some people think salvation is something that you have, to, you have to clean up before you show up. No, 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 no. See, God wants to give you a new identity, and it's out of that new identity that your life transforms. And it's only when you live out of that identity that you can find the new life. And it changes how you think changes what you say and it changes what you do but the problem is is we've allowed our identity to become sabotaged we've allowed our identity to become sabotaged by politics we've allowed our identity to become sabotaged by sexuality and the war on sexuality we've allowed our identity to become sabotaged by race and the war on our identity. We've allowed our identity to become sabotaged by gender identification, by, by who we are and how we identify, how, by who we are, by identifying with the family demands, by identifying with the company demands, by identifying maybe even with the friend demands. Our identity is in crisis because it's, we've, we've allowed it to be sabotaged. And when these things become our identity, it changes your attitude. And when these things become your identity, it changes your behavior. And the joy they bring is temporary. It's here today and gone tomorrow. It's not fulfilling. It's not sustaining. Only when your joy comes from your identity, being in Jesus Christ, will you have an unshakable joy. Because only in Christ will you be unshakable and your joy will be unshakable. However, we let our joy to be shaken because we've placed our identity in anything or anyone outside of Christ. And our joy is shaken when we don't fix our eyes, setting our eyes on Jesus and letting Jesus be who we are in God and living in obedience to him. There's only one way to receive this unshakable joy. There's only one way to this. Is We know the way to this. We know the way because God came into our world and Jesus chose to suffer, die, and he returned back to life to open the door and show us the only door to this way of life and become a child of God. And he gave us life so we can experience what is extraordinary and what nothing else can give us. He gives you his righteousness. 
and he gives you his peace and he gives you his joy. This is our joy. And why would we allow anyone or anything else than to define our identity? And why would we identify with anything other than being a child of God? Now, there are those here today that, who need to confess that you've had an identity crisis. And today, you've been, you need to recognize, you've been following Jesus, you say Jesus is your Savior, you confess Him as your Lord, but you've had a shift of your identity. And you need to realign, and you need to fix your eyes back on who you are in Christ Jesus, and you need to do that today. In a moment, we're going to invite everyone to take communion. And in a moment, we're all going to celebrate the reason we can put our identity in Christ. And so I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand, not right now, but you're going to come forward and our host will be here. You're going to receive your two elements, the cup and the bread, and then you're going to return back on the right side of your seat. For those of you online, we encourage you to join along with us by finding a couple of, uh, something to drink and something that you can eat. And we're going to do this together. But before we do this, there are a few here today that I believe God is leading you to put your trust in Jesus. You've never done this. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while, but you've not crossed that line of faith. You've not said, I'm a part of the kingdom of God. You have not received your place in the kingdom of God. You have not trusted, received Jesus as your savior, and you've not confessed him as the Lord of your life. See, salvation isn't about you changing your behavior to find salvation. It's accepting your identity in Christ and then following him and letting him change everything about you. And maybe you've been going about this the wrong way. Or maybe you've been searching for your identity in anything other than, or any, something other than God or other than Christ. And today he's calling you. It's like a burning in your soul and it's a burning in your heart. Today, maybe the day that you put your faith in Jesus, receive him as your savior, confess him as your Lord. And allow him to bring you into the kingdom of God by making you a child of God. Maybe that's what you need to do today. If so, I want to encourage you to pray a prayer. And they're going to post this up on the screen right now. We're going to give you space to do that right now. I want you to pray this prayer. And that prayer is this. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I trust you suffered, died, and resurrected, came back to life to give me life by forgiving my sins, forgiving all of my sins. Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and I will follow you. You know, praying a prayer won't save you. This prayer won't save you. Putting your trust in Jesus, confessing him as your Lord. That's what save you, saves you. That's what, he, he does the work. Then you say, God, I receive you. And then the Holy Spirit comes into your life and he does what only he can do that you can't do. He gives you the right to become the child of God. He makes you born again. And right now, we want to give you that moment. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can just pray. Just look at the screen and pray. And we're just going to give you the space to do that right now. Will you do that? Online, maybe you need to do this. So who are you? For those of you that just prayed that prayer, who are you? You 
are now a child of God. And we are so grateful to celebrate that with you today. Come on, church. For those that made that prayer and they put their trust in Jesus. Yeah. You're in the kingdom of God. This is good news for you. That's who you are. That means everything. This is your joy. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. And now we want to celebrate with you in communion and invite you to celebrate with us in communion. Communion reminds us how Jesus made a way to bring you and I in to this unshakable kingdom. Communion reminds you and I how we receive his righteousness, how we receive his peace, and how we receive his joy. And it's a reminder that we don't just receive it. We give it away. And so I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to come down and go ahead and make your way forward. And as you do that, this is what I want you to do. There's a prayer they're putting up on the screen. I want you to pray this prayer. Father, may my joy come from knowing my, that my identity is in Jesus and make my joy complete as I honor you in everything I think, say, and do. Will you make that your prayer as you come forward today? And then hold on to those elements as you return and we'll take them together in a moment.